Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Gavin Emmett and welcome to the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. Today I'm joined by Keith Ewan and Julian Ryder here at Le Mans ahead of round five of the MotoGP season. Right, so first of all, we've got to start, haven't we? With Valentino Rossi, winner last time out at Jerez. He led every lap after qualifying on pole. The first time he's ever done that in his Premier Class career. Uh, it's been seven years as well since he, he won back-to-back races. Can he do it here in Le Mans this weekend? Well, we'll wait and see if he's pulling wheelies again on a Friday like he was last <laughs> time out. He looked very happy, didn't he, right from the beginning? You spotted that very early on. The answer, Gavin, is I don't know and nobody else knows. As Valentino himself said at the end of Jerez... This isn't the script for the year because we're discovering how the tyres work at every new track. Yeah, on the head there, Jules. Uh, tyres are going to be the crucial issue here. I mean, Michelin home Grand Prix for them, so they're going to try and make it work, of course. They've brought more tyres here than we've seen ever before. Both ends, three for the front, three for the rear, different construction than we've seen before. But the big deal for me is how warm it is here. If it carries on like this right the way through till Sunday, that could really chuck the cat amongst the pigeons. <laughs> yeah. If you were Michelin, would you bring it bringing tires for 20 degrees centigrade? Mm, I go. don't think so. You talk about all this. We've had three winners, haven't we, so far this year. So what did he do right to make him on top in, in Jerez? <laughs> Probably got lucky, I would think. Uh, he might have had a good base setting, turned up on a Friday. It worked very, very well for him. And again, you know, 37 years old, he got a lot of experience. His team are great on that front as well. They might have just, I say lucky, at this level, that's a bit yeah, insulting, yeah. and I don't mean to be that. Um, they turned up, they had a base setting that worked straight away. They were able to tune that finally. He worked a lot on what was going to happen in the race. And don't forget, he comes from an era of non-electronics. He's a man that control a throttle. We heard about Jorge Lorenzo only being on 80% down the back straight because the wheels were spinning. Valentino Rossi, the best traction control he's got is in his right hand. Yes. Notice also that Jorge's top speeds were considerably quicker than Valentino's. Notice that as well. So what you're saying is that's complete BS. I am saying that top speed and the straight isn't what matters. It's how you go around corners on a motorbike usually. But still interesting that uh, I think now you've brought that little can of worms out, we might as well uh, investigate. Uh, Why not? That was when uh, Jorge was saying he was only using 80% throttle, which alluded to the fact that he was only going 80% the speed he could do down the back straight, when in actual fact, as you quite rightly have just pointed out, that all the timesheets that we saw, unless there's some there that I didn't see, but I'm fairly sure I'm right, is that the top speed was exactly the same, if not a little bit more, than just about everyone else, including Valentino. Exactly. Jorge was quicker than Valentino by three or four kph. Not a vast amount, so but not, he was quicker. So I not mean, BS, then what is it? 
Valentina might be using 75% throttle because that's what it needed. <laughs> Great, Jules. <laughs> when it could have worked during the end, but he hasn't won here in Le Mans since 2008. I'm trying to rack my brains to see if that was on a Michelin at the time. That was before we went to a single tyre all in the Bridgestones, but he made the switch. Didn't he made he, the switch at Misano. Yeah, so could have been on uh, Michelin. So that's yes. the last time he won here. Is that going to be the key, him and Michelin in France? Well, he said at Harris, didn't he, that he remembers. You know, he grew up on Michelins. Well, mm. he didn't grow up on these Michelins, but he he has a feeling for what those tyres will do. Is yeah. there anyone better when well, the tyre goes off and well, isn't working? Let's remind you of what you said in the first place. There's three different winners. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're in a situation here where, it, you know, we don't know. I don't think Michelin know. I don't think any of the teams know on a Thursday where we're sat at the moment. You know. OK, so talk about one of those winners. Mark Marquez, he's been mature, got picked up another podium when he knew he wasn't going to win. Uh, he's leading the championship. Do you think this can last, this... Uh, Newfound Marquez not not crashing during the race. Yes, 100%. I think that I think we said in commentary, Jules, that uh, the maturity of Mark Marquez, 23 year old, when we're talking about being mature. I mean, he 16 points, third place, miles better than the crash. That's the new Mark Marquez. He's dangerous, isn't he? Yeah, that is really terrifying. Mark Marquez thinking that way, thinking I'm still leading the championship. It's a good day at the office. But let's remember, 12 months ago, this is the track that first really exposed the weaknesses of the Honda. I just wonder with, with uh, Mark Marquez, I spoke to him earlier and he said, I learned so much from watching Valentino, who wasn't the fastest rider last year, uh, be at the top. I don't think I'm the fastest rider so far this year and I'm at the top. So he hopes it's going to happen. And, and as we say, there's a track, Le Mans in itself. OK, it's got some bits where it flows a little bit around the back, but a lot of hard acceleration from a few of those quite stop-start corners. It is a bit of a Mickey Mouse track, isn't it? It's not the kind of track that, um, that's got much flow to it at all anywhere. I, I don't think we can write anybody off at the moment. I don't think anybody's got to the bottom of the electronics package. I don't think anybody's getting anywhere near to the bottom of what Michelin are going to be bringing along. And I think we're going to see... I mean, did they say they were going to stick on the same carcass um, last time out? And here we are all of a sudden, we've got another carcass Yeah, here. because a test last week at Magello has thrown up new information. And now the sun's out as well here. And if it's cooking hot, then uh, it's going to be yep. just so difficult for these teams. The only bloke who says he actually actively likes this track is Jorge Lorenzo. <laughs> Had good success here. Obviously, mm, won here yes. last year as well. So, well, Danny, Danny Pedrosa's got a good record yeah. around here as well. So, watch out for Danny Pedrosa. If, if Danny can get the tyres, if these new tyres mm. happen to be played to Danny Pedrosa, uh, I wouldn't mind a quick bet on him to be the fourth winner. So, I'd, that's what I'd like to ask. Is it a three way battle for the championship or can others get involved? I think it's already a three way battle. I think the points gaps are already too big for it to be anything else. Yeah, I think that motorcycle racing is a strange old thing and it can throw up quite a lot of uh, variables just yet. We're on, actually, only. We're on the fifth round already, I think. <laughs> I thought for a moment it was the beginning of the year, but we're uh, already on round five and we're still now really closer to, to knowing who the hell is going to pull it off. I mean, Valentino has chucked himself straight back in the, in the mix. Mark Marquez is still there or thereabouts. This is going to be the crux of it for Marquez and the Honda here at Le Mans. You just mentioned Danny Pedrosa there. One thing he mentioned after the test in Jerez, which uh, all the riders pretty much were there uh, last time out, the day after the race. He said, we need more time on these tyres, that there have been so many changes. A couple of the riders, Ducati, were saying, we basically, we've built a bike around tyres that aren't here anymore. So how do we make, you know, first race, we say Michelin were going well. 
The last race, we had a lot of people complaining about them. How have they done? Well, the first race, they had lots of testing at Qatar, so they knew what they were coming there with. That makes the, all the difference. They've had no testing here at all. They're, and they're still evolving. There's nobody going to know today what those tyres are going to do tomorrow. We're going we're to find out when we get to Friday and as soon as we get to, to proper testing. Look, at Scott Redding had the worst Grand Prix yeah. I've ever seen him have last time out. He said out. it's the first time in his career he's finished last. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, Scott Redding, that was, and that was all down to tyres and the fact they just couldn't dial them in with the bike. So, you know, and you, you might have someone else in a different team this week that, that's got the same. Problem. I think that's exactly what we're going to see. Um, we don't know, do we? We don't know. But it's controlled tyres. This is what happens with a controlled tyre. It cannot suit all motorcycles at every track. It cannot suit all riders at every track. This is what happens. About Scott Redding there, you just mentioned him. I want to talk about the British riders. Was it a blip? Just a one-off for Scott? Because he had such a good pre-season. He looked good in those uh, two races prior to Hereth. Well, if anywhere is going to bring him back out, his box is going to be here, isn't it? 2013, first time he'd won a, a Grand Prix. So, you know, he's got great memories when it comes to Le Mans. It's the kind of thing that's going to... First time he won a Moto2 Moto two two Grand Prix. Two, yeah. Indeed, yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, it's going to be one of those things where he's got good memories here. And that, that kind of memory of a racetrack usually gets the best out of a rider, whatever they've got underneath them. Uh, continuing on the British theme, Cal Crutchlow finally picked up his first points of the year. Uh, but... He knows that's not where he's aiming. There's been rumours putting him at uh, HRC this week. I'd suggest they come out of Cal's mouth more than anything, but he obviously should be higher up. Well, there's, the there's, there's rumours putting him there because Danny Pedrosa, the rumours that he's going to be uh, at Yamaha alongside Valentino Rossi. And noticeably, Valentino in the press conference earlier on uh, didn't uh, didn't completely dismiss it and said he'd make a quite a nice teammate. Hey, he said they've always got as on, far, they? As far as... Oh, um, you watched those two over the years in mm. Park Ferme, Valentino and Danny. Nothing but understanding and respect between those two, is there? But in answer to your question, Cal Crutch at HRC, well, I tell you what, if Cal has managed to jump ship from Ducati and land on an LCR Honda, which at the time looked like a smart move, and now jump ship from an LCR Honda onto an HRC Honda, he will le be leading a charmed life. And he's 30 years old now. Yes, he is. It is possible. Remember, HRC have done this sort of thing, putting a one-season rider in, like Alex Barros, like, like uh, Oyama. Like, you know, it, it's been done by Honda as they... Yeah, it might seem strange, but, but he's they got do to, do it. He's got to show something more, hasn't he? 100% he knows yeah. that more than anybody yeah. else I mean it's uh, without being critical of Cal because the one thing they will get with Cal Crutchlow is a 1000% trial yeah. uh, what about Bradley Smith uh, again disappointment for him in Hereth not where we expect him to be especially after last season he's been replaced already we've seen Jonas Folger has come in uh, for next year I think he's probably going to be glad he's already signed that KTM deal, isn't he? It was an in-car convo. Uh, me, Hodgie, Jules were all having this conversation about Bradley on the way down here. Right now, it looks like a really good deal that he's done because he's gone off, done a deal for whatever money it is. It's done and dusted. If that deal was being made now, it might be a little bit less money because his stock has fallen very slightly this year at the moment, Bradley, and, and he'll be aware of that and be trying to counter it. But he had a big test, actually, when he was in Hereth. says, I haven't found the miracle cure just yet, but I feel I've got somewhere to start from when we come here to Le Mans. Well, everybody is searching for a base setting, aren't they, with the Michelins, everybody. And so Michelin keep changing the tyres just to make sure they don't get it. Yep. So maybe not positive on those three. What about Alstom and Eugene Laverty, though? Ninth oh. in the championship. He's had that fourth place when we were in Argentina. Perhaps the result last time out was even better, though. He's on the man on the way up at the moment, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's overcome injury. He's overcome a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> can, can he move on, though? Can he go even further? Can he stay in this championship? Because he is fighting for his well, that, MotoGP that, career. That is the big question. He had three races uh, to prove he deserved to stay, as far as his team were concerned. 
note that once he'd proved he was he was good enough to stay, they bought him a new clutch. That's the way it works in this paddock. No one throws a bunch of bits at you to find out whether you're any good. You prove you're some good, and then they give you some bits. He's on the rise, and if yeah. you think back not too long ago, Eugene Laverty was a man that stock was quite high. He was a you know a man that uh, was sought after. Not so many years ago, you know. He, again, has got to find that setting. He's got to keep the momentum moving forwards. But it means we are talking again about 2017. I've mentioned already Jonas Volga has been confirmed here in Le Mans, uh, riding for Tech 3 Yamaha next year. Um, we know there's going to be one spot less, or not less than this year. There's only been 23. We're expecting 24 spots on the grid. We know Sam Lowe's is coming up. We think Joan Zarco is coming up as well. So what other rumours are we hearing about on the ground, apart from, obviously, Pedrosa to Yamaha? Uh, the Maverick Vinales, we've heard well, more about him possibly staying at Suzuki. Well, yeah, only because the money he seemed to want, or his management wanted, that uh, Yamaha weren't too keen on. Let's just uh, go back to that 24th spot, by the way, because those that haven't been watching the press on that one at the moment... The 24th spot that was um, up for tender uh, for next year to fill the grid. That was the full grid for for Erta, the FIM, and, of course, Dorna wanted. Um, the manufacturers basically have bitten back and said, you know, you're going to be putting us under pressure to provide more motorcycles. The only three that could were Suzuki, KTM, and Aprilia. Yeah. Everyone else has already got the requisite number of motorcycles out on the racetrack, Proper least or satellite otherwise. teams, yeah. Um, so it was only those three manufacturers that could have provided those bikes, and they are under pressure to, to move their development forward in the teams that they've already got, and they've stressed that to to the powers that be. And so the powers that be have decided that we're going to stick with 23 teams. I've also heard that uh, Cito Pons, who looked like the most likely to get that, uh, found out that Suzuki might not be able to, to follow him and he went after a Yamaha. But my, uh, what I heard within the paddock is a few too many bridges have been burned in the past uh, from Cito. Not what? my words. These were words from other <laughs> people in the paddock. One of Cito's immortal quotes, I did not come to this paddock to make friends. No, And, he also and he's been as true it. as his words. <laughs> But um, Zarko has confirmed today he'll be riding in the 8-hour for Suzuki. He'll be testing the Suzuki GP bike. Should we be putting him already on one of those bikes? I mean, we've heard it's been a oh, done deal, but no confirmation as yet. Problem's got to be is that Aleish is now going good again. He's bitten back, hasn't yes, he? Aleish Spargo looked like he was out of there for a but while. But with the old chassis and the old Japanese engineers alike, going back to the old stuff doesn't tend yes. to endear you. To but them. if they're developing and they're looking forward already to 2017, um, anybody's guess. I think the speculation... Magello is going to be the most exciting oh, yes. time of the year, isn't it? Because I think Magello is, we're going to get a raft of announcements that come well, Magello. Well, I spoke to Andre Iannone just a little bit ago, and uh, he said that Magello and Barcelona, as, as far as there, that he's not looking to have anything down on paper. He said, we, I should have some news for you by Barcelona, was uh, Iannone's comment. In other words, his manager will be summoned to Ducati, as was promised, at Magello. To talk about well, the two it, Andreas yeah. are another subject of our in-car convo as well, weren't they? W would one of them stay or would both of them go? Was the, was the coincidence that uh, Ducati giving Iannone such a slap and holding on to his yep. contract rather than... Was that a fact that uh, suddenly Lorenzo had, uh, had actually intimated that he wanted to sign a contract with Ducati. Is that what's the, the real reason behind it? Well, There's so many schemes going on behind the scenes. There, there are. I mean, back to uh, the two things that happened uh, at Jerez. Susie talking to David Tardozzi. Who's going to be the second rider? What did Ducati want, said Suzuki. And David said, whatever. Whatever Lorenzo wants, he'll get. And then Gav talking to Ago. Wonderful little moment. And Ago saying to you, let us not forget, Ducati are employing Lorenzo not to win races, but to win the World Championship. So he needs good backup. Which one would you choose? Um, we mentioned about Dovi's setup. Would that help Lorenzo do his job? Probably mm. not. Ian Oney's a bit of a wild, wild charger. 
he'd make better bet as far as um, perhaps forward momentum is concerned. Will he carry that on? Has he faded? Has he, have we seen the best? Does Lorenzo want that in the other side of the pit? So many questions. And there are obviously going to be rumours about them to Suzuki, uh, any space if Vinales goes, and to Yamaha if Vinales doesn't go. So, so much going on at the moment. We're obviously going to try and stay across it throughout the weekend as much as possible. But before that, we're going to move on to Moto2. Uh, because while in MotoGP we haven't been able to sing the praises too much of the British riders so far this year, we've got Sam Lowe's really doing the business uh, so far. R at the top of his game, he's impressing so many people in the paddock that everyone wants to talk to him, but he's adamant he'll be staying at Aprilia next year. That's by the by. He's got a 10-point lead in the championship this year. Can he maintain that run? He's on schedule, isn't he? And I mean, that's all you can say at the moment. The, 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 the Calex is new to him. The tyres aren't. He knows the tracks. He knows where he's going with uh, performance-wise with those tyres. Doesn't have the same problem as we have in MotoGP with everybody's variables. Uh, I think he can. I think he can do the, the go the whole way. He's on the right bike. He's in the right frame of mind. He's the right age. He's got that maturity as well. He's in the right team as well, the Grassini team. And I've never seen Fausto Grassini look so enthusiastic for a very long time about one of his riders. That's a good point. And he's, he's got a rider who's happy to go over to Indonesia, as Sam has done this week, and yes. spend a couple of days there doing some promo work yep. for the team. But Sam is the fourth different winner this year. It's only Sam's second Grand Prix win, actually, after last year. So he's still quite new to it. Four different winners, though. Yeah, but, like, the rivals, Mar but so. like Mark Marquez... He's found the maturity to stay with it. He's a different Sam to the one we saw last year. It's not a win or crash. Yeah, even last year, Keith, I think you're dead right. That Jerez race, the regularity of his lap times, despite the fact it was the normal rather leery style in places, his precision, if you look down the lap times, was remarkable. I'm talking about that, that style. It's a bit Marquez-esque, isn't it? The way he's been riding that Moto2, the way he lets it get out there a little bit. Maybe he doesn't get the elbow down so much as, yeah. as Marquez. But that loose style, we've seen that. We've seen it Tita Rabat style work. So what about Zarco, Rins, Folger, Luti? Who are his challengers going to be? I think all of them. I think, that, <laughs> I think that's exactly what you've got. I mean, yeah, that yeah. is Moto2's Moto back at its best, isn't it? The, you know, you're not going to be able to bet too much on a winner each week. It's about who has got that consistency over the yeah, year. For the title. His challengers, I think, are Zarco and Rins. But uh, there's a few others who are going to take wins, race wins in there, aren't there? Um, let's move on to, to Moto3 at Jerez. And that was the story of the Spanish Grand Prix weekend, as we talked about there. From the back of the grid, Brad Binder taking victory in that race. First time he's won a Grand Prix. Um, and he is leading the championship there as well, extending his lead. One thing I want to ask first, though. First South African winner since John Eckerold. Monza, 1981, 350s. Tell me about John Eckerold, Keith. Johnny Eckerold, tough guy, different kind of uh, character. Privateer, remember, as well. In those days, he was a privateer Yamaha man up against the factory Kawasaki's of the likes of Anton Mang. And uh, a, a fantastic rider, but tough, unforgiving kind of character. Um, completely the opposite situation with Brad Binder, I think. He, I mean, I was... I've never seen anything... I have seen people win from the back. Our own Hodgie has done it, even overtaking James Tozlan, I think it was, as well in that <laughs> race. I must Mar Marquez that. has done it. Uh, yeah, in a short and, short and difficult in a wet, race. In a wet it wasn't, race. Wasn't, so. It wasn't a straightforward, dry, uh, full so set of in a shorter race is all the more impressive. We'll bend to your particular um, story if you want to, but at the end of the day, Brad Binder winning that race from the back. It is in the Moto record, three. by the way. It is in the Moto record three. of positions made up from 35th on yeah. the grid to 1st in the race. It was a phenomenal bit of riding. 
I don't think I've seen anything like it, and he's going to remember it forever as well. What a way to win your first Grand Prix. Will it spur him on? Will it Will it give him something uh, now think, over the rest? I think he should have already had a win this year. Qatar should have been his, but only because the finish line was further up the straight, than, and so Antonelli managed to slip in by the time he got there, slipstream in by the time he got there. And he looked like there, he could, even if he'd have been in the slipstream, he probably wouldn't have got out of it and won there. So yeah. he's put on a good show so far this year, picked up points. Again, we're talking about it across the championships. Picked up points when they haven't looked like they were going to be forthcoming. Uh, so everyone's eyes are going to be on him. But the Italians are there, aren't they? Bulliger, how impressed are we by that young rookie and his Massively, podium? I think. Yeah, I think Aaron Kennett as well that's walked in and, and has looked maybe a little inconsistent previously, but uh, if he can pick that up this year but too. But he's 16 years old. Exactly. It's uh, We've got a lot of youngsters. I think Moda 3 is in good shape. In oh, fact, yeah. all three classes are in fantastic shape. This year is probably the best that I've I can remember all three classes in the depth Grand Prix. of quality in all three. I think uh, I think you're right. Well, it was an interesting quote from Valentino Rossi, wasn't there, in the pre-event press conference, saying how strong Moto Two was with the riders coming up, and that is now the breeding ground for MotoGP. There's no one looking at superbikes really. I've heard a few people this week saying, "What about Chas Davis, Johnny Ray to move to Yamaha in MotoGP?" Their names aren't being brought into the picture, are they? The no, unfortunately, nobody no. in World Superbike is being considered in this paddock. And Chaz, after the last weekend, if he was 25 years old, he may be. He's 29. There's a young Dutchman that might well find his way in here, you know? Yeah, somewhere along well, the lines. Mr. Vandermark. I can yeah. definitely Mark see Vandermark. that as uh, Michael Vandermark having something to, yeah. to come across. Because I mean, he's young. As, as and he's a Honda yeah. man. He's a Honda man. Honda will be looking at him as well. I mean, and yeah. he's been groomed over the last little while. Uh, so... And we, could, and we could use a Dutchman in there. Well, that's why the, the you know Dorna, they're not slow on marketplaces, are they? They'll know exactly who they need to be putting the right kind of encouragement to. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Mickey makes his way over. Right, boys, I better let you get you back uh, to doing all your research before the weekend. Uh, I know there's lots of it going on in the pub tonight. Anyway, so <laughs> thank you very much. Make sure you uh, download our review podcast as well after the race here in Le Mans. Remember, of course, you can watch every single session live this weekend all in HD on BT Sport 2. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.